I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Hey, Mahalia. What's up, girl? She says, what's up to you and Jules? Jules is not in a good mood. I mean, Sakina has taken a trip out of the country. Mm. Sakina being the person who is responsible for Jules' appearance. And so we're trying to be supportive and say, oh, I hope your trip was great. (laughs) Um, And girl, are you back? What's up with your calendar? (laughs) Ah, so uh, Sakina, if you're listening, girl, on it. <laughs> holla at holla at your folks. Ooh, I feel that. Uh, but yeah, Mahalia and I are sitting here rocking my eyewear, trying to get on your level, Kimberly. But I only have one pair of glasses that I <laughs> only wear when my contacts have expired. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, when you get that presbyopia, you're going to have a lot of glasses in the car, in the bathroom, <laughs> in the kitchen. For real. I have reading glasses everywhere in my office at work. Now I even have one in one of the clinics. I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going through this. I know oh, I'm going to hide me some in here. <laughs> not, not my cute ones, but my ugly ones are in the, the orange pod. So yeah. Oh, wow. Lots to look forward to. That's yeah. right. So tell me uh, anything you want to share with our, our listeners, something fun and interesting that you either learned or experienced. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to make these fast, but I, I do have a few things to share and I'm going to try oh, to okay. like, uh, Ashley will just edit it out if she don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the first one is that I'm just finishing this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a bestseller. And I do the thing I often do when I read a book like this. And I get excited about it. I'm like, who is a nerd who is, has read this book and who could talk to me about it? Enter Gapri Daliwa, who I always text. <laughs> and yes, we had a lovely conversation about that today. So that is a great book. If you want to try to do better with your life by making very small changes to your habits. Spoiler, basically, it's not really so much about your goals as much as it is about your system. Of how you do things. Atomic. Atomic habits. Atomic habits. Okay. Like atomic dog, but ha- but habits. habits. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, I won't forget it now. <laughs> so highly recommend that. And I, it has me really thinking a lot about a lot. So I love that. I watched the documentary or biopic or whatever you call it on Mamie Till and her experience of losing her son, uh, Emmett mm. Till in 1955. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very triggering um, movie, but to honor my fellow Black mother, I decided I would watch it. The reason I'm mentioning it is because on Saturday, I was talking to my father on the phone and he had watched it and it really, really triggered him. He was Mm -hmm. crying. He was telling me about how he was only 12 when that happened and how sad it made him and how now he's the same age that Emmett Till's great uncle was when those white supremacists came and abducted Emmett oh, Till God. and how helpless and how he just tried to picture himself calling me, you know, to tell me something like that. 
And the point I'm, br- I'm bringing this up about is that like, you know, with so many people who center on trauma-informed care, really like anybody who is a Black American who grew up in Jim Crow times, period, ha- has experienced an adverse childhood experience or trauma. Mm. And it just, it, it just had, I had never really thought about the fact that my daddy was two years younger than Emmett Till when he opened that jet magazine and saw that picture of that yeah. boy. Yeah. And my dad, my daddy was living in Birmingham, you know, Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just reflecting a lot on our elders and what they endured and how they kept singing all through it. And just, just thinking about how we need to really continue to listen to our elders and listen to the stories that they tell us because they were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So shout out to my dad, man. Yes. Shout out to Mr. Draper. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, it was heavy. It was heavy, but you know, we did shift from there to like eventually us just laughing because my father likes me to tell him any story that happened anywhere that involves profanity. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I just tell my father like F bomb laden stories so we go from crying to like him hollering, laughing by me, just telling stories that are really inappropriate for this podcast. I won't tell you. <laughs> First of all, I love that you and your father have that relationship. And I think there is probably a subset of our listeners who would want to tune into that version of the podcast. Yo. So maybe, you know, if there's like an OnlyFans version of podcast storytelling. Yeah, because, um, you know, we do not hold back and the more... <laughs> Something about me cussing um, when I talk to my dad is something that just like without fail makes him laugh hard. Oh, yeah, I love that too. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to hold both experiences within <laughs> the framework of talking about, you know, serious trauma and also being right. able to, yep. to laugh about life. Yeah, both, <laughs> call, both, both situations call for a few F-bombs. So, you know, <laughs> you got the truth, honey. Amen. What about you? Uh, I'm on the similar thread. My my weekends mostly involve me relaxing and spending time with folks that I love. I had some relatives in town this weekend, which was awesome. I did watch that movie on Netflix, Don't Look Up. <laughs> Have you seen it? <laughs> I just so happened to watch that, but tell me your thoughts about it. I mean, it was both hilarious and like too close to home. Just the absurdity of inconvenient truths no matter how significant and like the power of the human mind to put a different narrative spin on it in ways mm-hmm. that allow us to not have to move outside of our comfort zones, mm-hmm. even when it could potentially end in the destruction of all mankind as we know it. I was like, this isn't actually too far from the truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure how to, how to take this, but it was highly entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was fun to see. Tyler Perry in there and mm-hmm. Meryl Streep. I was like, this is such a random casting. I and know. I'm here, and I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. All right. And I'm a, I'm a, a big Jennifer Lawrence stan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time I see her, I still think, you know, she the girl from uh, Hunger Games. But <laughs> yeah. You know. Katniss Everdeen. Shout out to Leonardo DiCaprio and Katniss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this it is your week. Yes. And as I told you, my friend, I am trying to see what kind of mood you're in today. Um, and I'm gonna let you choose which way you wish to walk. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Manning is introducing a new uh, a new structure into our system <laughs> in which it is now choose your own adventure. <laughs> Except I will be choosing the adventure. 
also known as indecisiveness. <laughs> um, okay, so your first option mm-hmm. is is something lighter, and the word is originality. Mm. Okay, that's the that's the what that's the what originality. The what, the what is originality. Okay. The second path is a little less light, and the what is support. Gosh, you see, now I feel like I'm deciding on behalf of all of our listeners and 50% of them are going to be very upset with me. (laughs) Well, Mm. I want them to know that whichever one you, whichever one you don't pick, that's what's going to come up very soon. (laughs) (laughs) So it just depends on what you want to hear now today. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm intrigued by option two. Option two, really? Okay. Support, yeah. Say word. Then um, I I promise you all that um, coming soon is originality. How about that? Okay, great. So the, the, the what is support? So the thing about working in a hospital for a long time is that you start to know a lot of people. There are residents that you see from when they were a medical student, then they become residents, then they become fellows, then they leave, they come back, and they're like faculty but there's also patients that you start to know for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, to provide a little bit of context, um, most of my role at Grady is, is not in direct care of patients. It is almost always in a role as a preceptor working with resident physicians, either on the inpatient service or on the outpatient service. And in the outpatient clinics for continuity clinics for our internal medicine residents, you know, our residents come through for three years and then they move on. But one of the things that is continuous are those of us who stay on, right? And we're there mm-hmm. from one resident class to the next. And so there was a patient that I was taking care of years ago. I mean, I've been taking care of this man for years, but always with residents. And he had a lot of health problems, but you know, mostly they were very well managed. And whenever I would see him, we would just be chopping it up. He would be like, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Oh, Miss Manny. And mm-hmm. on sidebar, you know, if a, if a patient in the Southern United States calls you Miss Manning and not Dr. Manning, they know you're a doctor. It is just like a term of respect. A lot, I mean, actually hearkening back to what we were talking about in the time that my daddy was growing up, you know, mm-hmm. saying Miss to somebody was really something that said I I hold you in high regard. I respect you. Yep. Um, this is deference. Um, and so I don't really take that as a microaggression at all, depending upon who's saying it. So yep. he's always like, Miss Manning, what's going on? He's, he saw me pregnant, all these things. You know, as, as I've kind of told you before and told our listeners before, after my sister Deanna passed away in 2012, there were things that I needed to do to work through my grief. And one of the things, as y'all know, that I began to run. And I had never been a runner before then, but I was just running and running and running. And so I signed up for a race and I was kind of just running all the time. And I was running like, shoot, like <laughs> as much as I could. Like, mm. And one, one week I, I noticed that I started having this pain on the side of my, um, my left ankle. I just kept running through it because mm-hmm. I was, I was just, it, it was like, I had this connection to feeling better and, and telling heart disease to stick it mm-hmm. whenever I would run. So I would be running like five and six miles a day. Ooh, um, and that is not, that is not something you should do seven days in a row, but I, that's what I was doing. 
So eventually it got to the point that if I put any weight down on it, it hurt too much to run. So I could kind of limp around, but I couldn't run anymore. And I was in clinic, couldn't run. And I walked in and I, and I see this man, Mr. M. And um, he looks at my ankle and he is like, what, what you doing hobbling around this clinic? And I said, <laughs> Mr. M, you know, I've been running, running where? Running from who? I, was like, I ain't running from nobody, sir. So I, 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 you know, I've known him for years and I tell him, you know, I started running, you know, I'm training for a race and it makes me feel better. He, you know, he was an elder, so he'd experienced loss of siblings. And yeah. um, I, I do disclose these kinds of things about myself, particularly to the Grady elders, because they, they have lived a lot of the stuff that, you know, we might be feeling. And he was just so sweet and um, so supportive. He basically listened to me talk about my ankle and about how I've been running to feel better about my sister. And, and he was tender and he was telling me that he understood, but he's like, you got to see about yourself. You know, you got to see about yourself mm-hmm. and, um, you know, share with me a story of when one of his siblings passed away and it was just really kind, you know, and this was pre-pandemic. He gave me a big hug mm. and told me he was going to be praying for me by name. And, and that was it. And I believed him. And yeah. I know he, I know he was going to pray for me and I believe he did pray for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that was in 2013 or so. My sister died in November of 12 mm-hmm. and the race came and went, as y'all know, and um, more races came and went. In about 2018 or 2019 or so, one day, it was just a really, really busy day at Grady. I had just gotten off the hospital service. I was doing the thing where you're trying to tie up all the loose ends after being on the hospital service. And I am like busting through the hospital, walking through the main lobby, like gangbusters, like (laughs) super busy power walking. Please don't stop me. Nobody talk to me. I know I'm stoppable, but not today. Mm -hmm. And as I'm walking, I hear somebody calling out to me, Miss Manny, Miss Manny. And I look over there and it's Mr. M. Mm. And he's sitting on this little rusty folding chair. And he was sitting next to the people that sell the Atlanta Journal Constitution. (laughs) (laughs) And they normally sit in those chairs, but apparently Mr. M had been like, can I get that chair? And um, as he as he calls out to me, he kind of waves over to me. And I had not, and I realized in that moment, I had not seen him in, in years. Like I had not seen him in a while. Okay. And I was like, dang, you know, and my schedule had changed a little bit. He had ended up starting to go be seen in a geriatrics clinic and just a few things changed, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just hadn't seen him in more than five years. And so I walk over to him. I was like, oh, man, Mr. M, what's going on? He said, oh, Miss Manning, it's good to see you. Give me a hug. And we laugh and he talk. How your boys doing? What grades they in? And we laughing and we talking. And so he pulls up his pants leg and he shows me this little lesion on his leg. And he was like, uh, I just went to the dermatology and they gave me this salve to put on my um, on this on this thing on my leg. What you think about it? Because he mm. wants my opinion, because, you know, I know him. And yeah. I look at it and I said, well, if dermatology told you that, you know, you probably need to go on and go over there. So I kneel down and put my bags down and get a look at it right there in the lobby at Grady. And he said, you think I should put that on there? I said, yes, they're great. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to feel better. And 
all that. So we kind of keep talking a little bit. He updates me on his family. And I was like, well, Mr. M, I got to go. And I'm getting ready to go. And he looks over at me and he says, oh, how was your race? Mm. Girl, <laughs> now I'm going to hold it together. I promise y'all I'm going to do my best. He says, how was your race? And I said, my race? He said, well, I see your ankle got better. You're not hobbling around no more. Mm. And I looked down at my ankle and he was pointing at the right one. It was my left ankle. He said, your race, you know, the one that you was doing for your sister that went on to glory. Girl, I cannot believe he remembered that. He remembered what ankle? Mm. He remembered why I was limping and that I was limping. He remembered, he remembered everything. And it was right around the time of, you know, the year mark of her passing. Oh, wow. And um, I was hurting. Mm -hmm. I was hurting. And I didn't even know how much I was hurting. But I was hurting. And I, I, I just looked at him. And I couldn't even find the words. So he just reached out. And he took my hand and he squeezed it mm. right there in the lobby. And he said, yeah, it's hard sometimes. It's hard sometimes, but it's okay. You just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other, Miss Manning. It's okay. It's okay. They still with you. Patted himself on the chest. He's like, they right here. <sighs> and I just stood there in the lobby holding his hand and I was weeping. Mm. just and he wasn't saying anything he was just sitting in that little rickety rusty chair with his pants leg rolled up squeezing my hand and it is one of my absolute favorite moments at Grady Hospital of all time mm. it embodies everything I love about that place because people think we go into that place and we save people's lives. But our patients save our lives every single day. And it was like he looked at me. I feel, I feel almost like he saw me and he knew that he needed to touch me and say something to me. Yeah. I was so like in my head and, you know, running lists of things I needed to do that day. Um, and I needed that support. Yeah. And it wasn't, and it wasn't any slow singing and flower bringing. It wasn't the kind of way that when somebody's put it in their phone, that this is the day Deanna passed or that they saw it over Facebook and they send me a kind text. I do appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But there was something so pure, um, and so wise and, um, so like supportive. Yeah that it made me feel so much better mm. and it just lifted my spirits. And I walked away thinking to myself, like, you know what? I need to pay better attention to people and remember stuff. Cause mm -hmm. that man got 80 something years of life in his head and in all of the stuff he done lived and experienced, he has made it up his mind to save a little space for me. Mm. And that's not what he has to do. He's supposed to come and just get his care. He didn't sign up for that. Mm -hmm. 
That's so powerful. Also reminds me kind of conversations that we've had in the past in terms of opening yourself to receive what the patient was giving. And I think that is so uncomfortable for a lot of healthcare workers, especially physicians. You feel like it's, it's got to be a one-way street. Yep. Anything else is unprofessional. Yeah. It was something also, there was such an intimacy in the moment too, because there was, it was the Grady lobby. It was like people everywhere walking by and everything. Mm -hmm. But the way he pulled his pants leg up and showed me the thing on his leg and how I dropped everything and kneeled down to look at it. Yeah. um, It was, it was, it was, that was a loving gesture. Yes. And, and then him, him remembering as he did, Hey, how was your race? Um, it was just, I mean, it just made me want to be a better person. Wow. Um, and it is one of the most profound moments of gratitude as a physician that I have ever had. I have ever had. Mm. We are so fortunate to get to do this job. So fortunate. I had not seen him in five years. And remember when I said, I think he prayed for me. Yeah. I think he did again when I walked away. I feel sure he did. And for the people that are missing out on moments like this, now I'm all stuffed up. Look, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel partially responsible for this because I was the one who picked this story. Yeah, but this is like an ugly cry. It's not even a cute cry. And I should have like not even put it up as an option because whenever, because I can see his face and I can see the moment so well Mm -hmm. um, that like I knew I was going to get unglued because it is, and and I'm crying not because I was sad. Mm -hmm. I'm crying because I'm grateful. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's important for me to even feel all this emotion and let it out because if you are a medical student, a resident, a doctor, a nurse, uh, anybody who is interfacing with people in the public, a teacher, whoever you are, and, and you and you do not open yourself up to receive this kind of support, mm. kind of like the support you got from your patient and their family that time, right? Yep, exactly. Oh, you're missing out. Oh, you are missing out. Man, you can't be all business. Yeah. Because if you haven't noticed right now, business is struggling. (laughs) It is very easy and semi-popular to hate this job right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that book, um, Atomic Habits, talks about how these little tiny habits that we make can just change everything. Mm -hmm. And, And one of my habits is a habit of reflection and a habit of stopping and registering people. And this habit, I think, is the is like the panacea, you know, for me to fight against the, the worst parts of our job right now, because it is hard. And I'm not even trying to front like anybody who is feeling burnout and tired and broken and sad right now that they don't have the right to feel that the people that are like, I'm out, I'm not doing this anymore. I get it. I am not trying to trivialize any of that. Mm-hmm. But you know, there is, it's so crazy how it's like when, when you support other people and you open yourself up to receive support, it's just like this thing that just stacks up and, and it makes you stronger Mm -hmm. and able to shoulder through it. Yeah. 
at least for me. You know, the thing that I've also been thinking about, I've been reading um, or rereading Bell Hooks' book all about love. There's something to be said about, you know, we can receive affirmations, compliments about, you know, ourselves when we're kind of operating in kind of a a performative mindset or stance. But when you receive love and support, like from a place of realness, like vulnerability, authenticity, like receiving love, like exactly as you are, the good, bad, and the ugly, that's when it becomes transformative. That's when it becomes healing. And I have had moments at Grady where with a patient or a nurse or somebody, particularly after that time of loss, that we stood together in this fellowship of suffering, you Mm -hmm. know, where people would came out of the woodworks and told me, I know what it was like to, I, I lost a sibling. I lost a brother, a lot of coworkers, people I just didn't know had experienced that. Yeah. But even that is different than when somebody is just in the smack middle of their ordinary mm-hmm. and lets, you know, they see you, they remembered you. Um, and that you, I, I see you as more than a doctor. This was such a human moment. Mm-hmm. It was so human. And um, a, a powerful reminder that <clears throat> we are we are not that different from our patients. We're not very different from them at all. Yeah. We got people that we love. We got loss. We got wins. You know, it's just, I mean, yeah. And I, I'm not sure if I've seen him since. Mm. I'm not sure if I've seen him since. But my suspicion is that if I did, um, he will probably remember something else. Mm, I believe that too. Mm-hmm. And I just want to charge people to think about how we can support each other um, better through remembering, through how we register people, you know, you walk into the clinical environment, see about people, man, ask how they doing. Mm-hmm. Remember what they told you. Yep. Um, you know, not just the obvious stuff, what rotation are you on right now? Who are you working with? You know, if they told you something that was of importance to them, you know, remember it and, and see about them. And if somebody looks like, you know, they might be struggling a little bit, um, you know, you don't have to call out the struggle, but maybe just step into their space mm-hmm. and just be there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever is the metaphorical version of sitting on a rickety, rusty chair and holding somebody's <laughs> hand while they cry in the granny lobby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, child. Huh? <laughs> yep. I felt like um, singing the old gospel song. I feel like going on after that. I was mm. like, I feel like. <laughs> Woo, honey. Yeah. Yes, yes, but. Y'all blame uh, Ashley McMullen <laughs> for this ugly cry y'all got from me today. You know, but, I do not regret that decision. I have been blessed by this story. So I appreciate it. it. Yeah. Well, sis, I appreciate your support. And every week when I get a chance to look into your face over Zoom, all the way out there in sunny San Francisco, which is probably overcast and cold, y'all. It ain't better than Atlanta. <laughs> I feel happy. My soul is also overjoyed, not only because I get to 
meet with you and experience your love and support, uh, but also just to make the correction that I'm in sunny Oakland, the East Bay. Oh, oh, my bad. The area. <laughs> and therefore, it is beautiful always. That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sis. Well, until we meet again, I love yes, you. I love you too. Holla. Holla. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.